Welcome back, and thanks for joining us this week for Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairyman. I'm Melissa Lima, North Coast and Organic Services Field Rep for Western United Dairymen, and I unfortunately am not joined by Darby Toth today. Darby is deep in the middle of AMP applications, and um, we wanted to make sure she had enough time to focus on that. So we're very excited to welcome a guest co-host, our very own Annie Ack Moody, our Director of Economic Affairs. Annie, thanks so much for well, joining us. Well, happy to be here. And I'm glad this uh, has given Darby some time to work on those very important applications. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know she's been deep in that for a few weeks. And the deadline, of course, is coming up this Monday. So we're, we're wishing good luck and Godspeed to Darby and all those dairies she's working with. I know um, she's doing a great job. Yeah. But happy to you know talk about the content we'll talk about today. Uh, we have some special guests that we're really happy to have on. We have uh, Dave Goolhouse. Um, I will have a brief market update after that. Um, Paul Souza uh, will be doing an interview with uh, John Cardosa from Sustainable Conservation to talk about a partnership uh, between Western and um, several you know, dairies who uh, to, are developing a drip uh, fertigation system. And uh, Rochelle will join us with a LUC update. Pretty exciting stuff today. <laughs> We're um, trying to keep it a little bit lighter this week. Last week, we talked about some heavy topics. And as we all know, things in the dairy industry haven't seen a huge improvement over the last week. And as much as possible, we want to be able to bring you good information, but also um, make sure we're bringing you um, some some levity and maybe, you know, just a, a good, happier listen. So um, thanks so much for joining us, listeners, and hopefully Annie and I will be able to keep it a little bit lighter. Today. I hope so, but now I'm think I'm thinking maybe I should skip my market update, Melissa. You're trying to keep it pleasant. I know, I know. There's it's it's not as bad. <laughs> That's as true. There's week, some though, right, some uptick this week. Well, do you want to jump right into it and and we can kind of um, talk a little bit about what it all means? Sure, um, Ashley. And before I go into talking, you know, prices specifically. We did a bonus episode um, earlier this week on the assistance that USDA, you know, announced to, to provide to dairies in the face of this crisis. And so if you haven't listened to that, we have a it's about 10 minute segment on the details of that program. But I've been just looking at the, the numbers and, you know, we've been getting a lot of questions. I think it's on the front of a lot of people's mind. When is this money coming? Uh, we still don't have more details, unfortunately. We're hoping we'll get those hopefully next week, but there's still... Um, a lot of unknown in terms of when details will come. But I was just running some numbers and there's multiple ways that USDA could uh, use to calculate the formula. But right now it's looking that perhaps the payment uh, would run about a dollar a hundred weight um, for the first period. So the first quarter through April 15, and then maybe close to $2 a hundred weight for you know, April 15 in the next uh, two quarters. And obviously those are just estimates that have been running and there's this payment limit Obviously, in California, of $125,000, it's going to be problematic. But I know we're working in D.C. to try to uh, maybe ease that. So just, you know, some information that might be relevant as people try to gauge what kind of assistance is coming. Absolutely. It's not the news we wanted, but it's, you know, looking at the numbers, it's something that's going to help. And hopefully moving forward, we can work in partnerships with other organizations to improve yeah, that and outlook. I've also heard from dairies who have signed up for the dairy margin coverage. And so that might be a time to, to mention this because, you know, the prices have been going down. I'm just looking at the futures. I think everybody's aware that it's not looking very good. But if you've signed up for dairy margin coverage at the $9.50, 100 weight, 
um, there should be some significant payments that are coming, you know, throughout 2020. And the first month of March is expecting a payment about 15 cents a hundredweight. But if you go um, into June, which is the worst month right now in the forecast, payments could be approaching the $5 a hundredweight. And so there's some um, possibility for extra payments for those who have signed up in this program. Good deal. Well, hopefully the, the less intense declines in the market this week will kind of help lift our spirits. Yes. A bit. And, you know, while you're talking about those less intense decline, there's been a lot of bad news and commodity markets out there. If you heard, you know, the dramatic oil futures dipping into negative territory, um, I think that kind of dragged a lot of other commodities down, down along with it. But if we look at USDA prices, those that impact you know, the, the formulas for the prices in California, looking at butter, it actually went up by 0.22 cents this week. It's, it's not a lot. Obviously, we're still at a low price, you know, $1.24 a pound, but a little break in the current declining trend was really welcome. And uh, the dry weight price was relatively steady also, gained 0.28 cents. Again, not a big win, uh, but we're still in that 37 uh, cents a pound range that we've been in for um, a little while. So this little stability there um, has been really helpful. While I'm in the prices, sure. I'll, I'll just, you know, rip the bandaid and go into uh, the other two commodities that impact their formula. Block cheese uh, dropped 26 cents this week, down to $1.38. Barrels lost 14 cents to $1.21. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, decent news out there. According to USDA data, the cheese stocks um, in March, they didn't increase between February and March. And so a little bit of stability in March stocks were, you know, 1% below last year. Obviously, when that data comes for April, that's when we'll see more of the current impact of the crisis. But at least we started April with stocks, you know, not in an overly burdensome situation. Um, even the USDA is now fed drumroll price, you know, which has been really slow moving um, until last week, managed another relatively sizable loss this week, lost four and a half cents to uh, 93 cents a pound. And so, you know, just um, wind of decline that's really blowing all over the world, really affecting us in the U.S. too. And if you look at the GDT, the global data trade auction, um, the skim milk powder price average there was dollar eight, so a little bit in line with um, what we're seeing here. So, you know, overall dairy markets uh, still struggling, but it was nice to see some stability at least for a couple of commodities in our price formulas. Absolutely, uh, it's stability is maybe all we can ask for right now at the very least. You know, it's um, it'd be nice to see those prices moving up, but not taking yes. a nosedive is helpful. Well, Annie, thanks so much for bringing us that, that update. Um, next, we're going to take a hop over to an interview we did with Dave Coolhouse. I, I talked with Dave, our newly elected Western United Dairies second vice president yesterday, and he is so great. We enjoy having Dave on the board. He brings a lot of levity to um, situations that can be serious, but in, in a great way. And so we'll jump over to speak with Dave for a few minutes. Sounds great. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. We're really grateful to have Western United Dairy's newly elected second vice president, Dave Coolhaas, with us today. Thanks for joining us, Dave. No problem, Melissa. How's it going up north? It's good. It's good. Uh, we're getting a few sunshiny days. How about down in, in your area? It's hot and windy now. So. Oh, the heat has started. The wind is finally over. We won't see rain again until eh, probably November, if that's the way the Central Valley is, usually. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll envy you on the drippy days up here in Ferndale, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, we wanted to chat with you today a little bit about... Um, 
your role on Western United Dairymen's Board, if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit about how you got involved and about yourself. And then we'll get into a few hotter topics, I guess, for the, the listeners. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm in Escalon, California, which is District 4, I believe. Um, I got um, involved with Western United probably about six years ago, where Reen Dordenball asked me to be a delegate. And then when he was stepping down, he asked me if I'd be interested in being a director. And uh, And then I was on the executive board for about two years now, I believe. And yeah, I enjoy it. It's you learn a lot. So. You absolutely. Well, we sure enjoy having you too, Dave. You bring a lot of levity to the board. We really appreciate that. So what do you think, I, I guess, for our listeners, the most important thing Western might be doing right now to help our producers through this current coronavirus situation that we're all in? Well, information is key. Um, I think Anya and uh, Melissa... And this, the rest of the staff, I think you guys uh, definitely send out the uh, positive vibes, which is uh, very important in this doom and gloom time that we're in. But, you know, you always got to find the bright side to everything and what that is in the dairy industry right now. We don't know, but um, the information is key. And as long as you guys keep pumping out those emails and these podcasts, uh, eh, we'll be fine. Yeah, it, it's tough to be positive for sure. And especially you spend a lot of time during the day I do on the phone with dairymen and I, it just, it could bring you down. But I think trying to find silver linings is good. And hopefully this podcast is a good thing that will come out of all of this. We're trying to get information out in a timely manner, but hopefully it just develops into a good thing down the road. Yeah. Um. So Dave, speaking of coronavirus, um, you've probably had to make some changes on your farm or just the way you uh, interact with employees. Anything you want to share with our listeners or tips or tricks or anything that's been particularly helpful? You know, um, when this first came out, yeah, I was immediately worried about the guys I work with, not just because for them getting sick, but obviously, you know, everybody taking off and thinking that they're not non-essential and what's the essential versus non-essential came out. Right. Then we started talking to the guys and turns out, you know, well, their kids are stuck at home too. So it isn't like everybody wants to just sit at home. They enjoy the work. They enjoy not being at home these days. So what I was afraid of initially was, you know, yeah, all of us milking and feeding our own cows, not having any employees that just, that just didn't turn out. Um, now I'm, you know, very, very worried about, you know, the next coming months where uh, absolutely the legislation that we're seeing out. But uh, you'd probably cut that out. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're all a little nervous about that. Yeah, but... um, yeah, certainly some concerning things coming down the pipe and things that are making it harder on small businesses like yours that have already been hit pretty hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not just the businesses, it's the families. Like I said, you know, I got, uh, you know, I got five kids of my own. I got three teenagers at home and all, all three of them want to go back to school. I've yeah. absolutely unheard of. So and right. everybody's getting tired. Everybody's getting bored of this. And, uh, and I'm getting yep. very, very frustrated with, with, uh, some of the decisions that are being made, but not a whole lot we could do with it. We just got to, 
Yeah, I keep looking forward as far as the business goes. You know, we are, you know, starting to cut back on some of the ration. You know, you got to, you know, we see the milk prices that are coming. So you got to, you got to brace for that and you got to feed for that. So. Yeah. Start cutting costs in a way that's still. Yeah. You got, you got to be efficient, but you got to be smart about it. So, so that's what we've been doing this week with, uh, you know, talking to nutritionists and getting rations set and ready to go here because yeah. You can't escape this, you know, you can't escape the overbase price. It's coming our way. Yeah, it's not not looking pretty, unfortunately. So hopefully um, some of the moving into the summer, some of this will calm down to a point that we can at least get some of our restaurants and, and different food service organizations and hopefully those international contracts moving again. You bet. You bet. Um, Dave, so... Another thing we saw, unfortunately, during the midst of this crisis is our friends over in the animal activist community deciding it was a great opportunity to um, use their platform against agriculture. And at first they decided to do that in person. They were they kind of got told that better not go on. So they've been attacking folks online a little but. Unfortunately, you're in an area that's been sort of a hotbed for those types of protests. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you guys have prepared those yeah so um probably about a year ago right is when they um they had that mass uh um they went and stole the calf down that calf ranch down the road from me and then there was yeah they they were trying to stage a massive protest out in front and we had about a week to get prepared for it and definitely not happy it happened but you know all the dairies around here we all actually got together and you know, fences went up, signs went up, and it was just kind of a wake-up call for us that, you know, just because you don't think they're going to come doesn't mean they're not, you know, they won't come. So, right. Um, yeah, it's just not fun. It's something you have to deal with. And, you know, like I always say, you know, I know that they're not, they're not going to change my mind and I'm not going to change their mind. You know, I like to think that we could just have a cup of coffee and a conversation and say, okay, well, I want the best for the cows. You want the best for the cows. Now we both want the same thing. So how can we can right. figure this out? Well, I know that I'm not going to change their mind. And that's where Western United is great because you have, you know, you guys have your social media blitz. And so while I cannot talk to those protesters, we can talk to the consumers. Yeah. And that's what's so very important that Western United does that, uh, I think it's very underrated by by you guys on the staff there. I thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think getting that good message, the correct message out to the people in the middle is the most important thing. Those 2% of folks on that that fringe, obviously, we're not going to change their mind, as you said. But you're right, keeping consumers informed about what really happens on farms. And it's unfortunate, as you said, you had to put up signs that we kind of have to put up this wall that says, don't come to our dairy Um but I do think we want people to come to our dairies under the appropriate conditions. Yeah, Is absolutely. that right, Dave? Yeah, I don't have a, you know, absolutely nobody on here. You will be shot on site. No, none of that. You know, you, yeah, you want to contact me? No problem. Take you anywhere around the, the farm. I'm proud of what I do. I'm, I'm proud of my place. But, uh, yeah, you just you can't come stumbling on here and uh, or a drone flying over, you know. That's yeah. been known to happen. You know, the, the crazy thing about this, Melissa, is that, you know, this whole coronavirus now and social distancing, right? That's the, right. That's the big thing. Well, well, maybe 
people can understand now why calves have to be separated and uh, put in their, you know, their separate pens, you know, it's, that's, that's our version of social distancing. So if nothing, we could use that one a little bit. So for sure. Biosecurity has been, if you're in the dairy industry, the biosecurity measures we're hearing about now, you know, commonly around the world are no new thing. We we've been practicing that stuff for years. So it's been a little less of a struggle for us to get on board, I guess. But you're right. It's it hopefully helps educate consumers about, you know, just why we do things the way we do. It's not it's not an ugly thing. It's really important science driven method to keep our animals healthy. Yeah. Screaming and yelling will never get you anywhere with the, with these activists. It's just about knowledge of the consumer. Right. So and yes. like I said, you guys do a great job over there. So that we're good. Well, well, thanks for all the praise, Dave. I think you're going to give us big heads over here, but we really appreciate you taking the time today. I know getting all the technology squared away takes a little bit of time, and I know you're very busy right now, so thanks for joining us. No problem. We'll do this again in better times, and uh, yeah. Yeah, hopefully in person. Is there anything else before I let you go, Dave, you want our, our producer listeners or listeners that may not be dairymen to know? Um. Yeah, you know, just hang in there, you know. <laughs> you know. This sucks for everybody, you know. There's nobody's immune from this. Yeah, the dairy business is getting getting destroyed, but you know, so are the pork farmers, so are the potato farmers, everybody. And just hang in there and uh yeah. There's more important things in this world and uh and we'll get through it and hopefully be better off in a year from now. Uh, we had a, a segment in our episode last week where Darby and I talked about mental health issues. And I think the whole world is experiencing a thing right now where we're trying to balance good mental health and good physical health with this. So, you know, I appreciate you bringing it up, Dave, like hang in there. And if, if guys need to talk, they can reach out to us um, on staff. We're happy to just talk through. We can't solve all your problems. I wish we could, but Definitely happy to hopefully work through some of them with you. Yeah, hey, and you know the producers, you got you got board members that are dairymen. So, you ever need to talk? You know, my my number is always available. And yeah, hey, it's all good. And uh, yeah, it's one thing I found out. Darby's last name is Toth, not Toth. I think so. I'm Portuguese, so I don't know how yeah, to she said the Dutch names correctly. <laughs> Man, this is. Hey, you learn something on this podcast every day, Melissa. Yeah, I know. I know. We're, we're, we're hopefully the intended goal is being met there. We're educating people. So good deal. Well, thanks so much. Dave. You bet. Be safe, everybody. You hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. Hello, I'm Rochelle with Western United Dairies and the Chiros Unidos de California. We know there are lots going on in the dairy world today, and we want to help you on your dairy to stay productive and essential, so please make sure you contact me at 209-527-6453 if you need a position to be filled at your dairy. This week, we have employees in these areas of California waiting to be placed on a dairy. Escalon, Mulker, and Outside Dairy Labor, Oakdale, Outside Dairy Labor, Modesto Milkers, Ceres Milker and Cow Feeders, Turlock and Newman Milkers. Please do not hesitate to contact us with your labor needs. Let us help you take some stress off your plate and help you find the workers you need. Once again, my name is Rochelle and I can be reached at 209-527-6453. Or you can email me 
rochelle at wateries.com with all your labor needs. Thank you. All right, next up, Melissa took some time to speak with Paul Souza, our Director of Environmental Affairs, and John Cardoza of Sustainable Conservation about a project that uh, we've partnered on with them um, and actually recently won an award. Yeah, this is a pretty timely interview. I got a chance to talk with Paul and John yesterday, and um, the award was announced on Wednesday, Earth Day. Uh, This is a great project that they've been working on for a couple of years in partnership with local dairies and a couple of other organizations here in California. And we'll jump right in and hear from Paul and John about the project. I am so happy to be joined today by Paul Souza, our Director of Environmental Affairs, and John Cardoza, Project Manager with Sustainable Conservation, also a former dairy leader. And they're joining us today to talk about some really awesome um, projects Sustainable Conservation, or SUSCON, has been working on, and a recent award they got. So, gentlemen, um, we're excited to hear what you have to tell us. Yeah, thank you, Melissa. Yeah, um... I'm also happy to have uh, John Cardoza with Sustainable Conservation on the line with us today um, as part of this podcast to share some uh, information and, uh, you know, wonderful news on an award that uh, this project has recently won. Um, The partners on this project uh, include Sustainable Conservation, Netafim, and Western United Dairies and several dairies, including our members. Uh, And so we're glad to be a part of that. Um, I'm very happy to work with Sustainable Conservation, um, and I'd like to welcome John. John. Paul, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Happy to be here today. I'm just going to mention it's been great working with West United Dairies um, over the past 10 years since I've been involved, and um, you guys have been a great partner. Thank you, as as has uh, you and Sustainable Conservation. So yesterday, the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy awarded a Sustainability Award uh, to this project that Sustainable Conservation has been working on for a number of years um, with, you know, partnered uh, with Western United Dairymen and a couple of our dairy producers. Um, but let's first start off with uh, who is Sustainable Conservation? Uh, John, can you give us a little bit of background? And- yeah, thanks, Paul. Sure. Um, so, so many or some of you may know us as SUSCON, um, and we partner with business, landowners, and government to steward California's natural resources in ways that really make economic sense and partner with farmers on the ground and environmental with environmental solutions. So uh, really California can continue its legacy of feeding the nation. I'm on our dairy team. I work out of our Modesto office and I've uh, been with the organization for it's, it's coming up on 10 years pretty quickly here. So um, yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. So yeah, I've worked with uh, sustainable conservation for about as long as I've worked with Western. Um, I think it was right at the beginning of my tenure, and it was even before you started there, uh, John, that I've been working with Sustainable Conservation, and um, I want to say they're a great partner. The value that I see in Sustainable Conservation is they take something that is um, an idea that's almost there, that just needs a little bit of work, and they kind of nurture it uh, into something that is, uh, you can pick it up off the shelf and implement it, and I think this project is a perfect example of that. I meet with sustainable conservation and they, I know they have um, meetings with industry and to try to determine what the issues are uh, in different industries. And with the dairy industry, they meet with me and others. Um, their office is just blocks down the road from the WUD office. And so I either walk down there or they walk here. Uh, and I remember a meeting where we basically talked about 
Um, you know, what are the issues that the California dairy industry is facing? Uh, this was a few years ago. Uh, water quality was a big issue. Um, water availability was a big issue. And uh, greenhouse gases were a big issue that I remember telling sustainable conservation. And out of that, I think, um, kind of came this project that addresses all three of those issues. And so I really appreciate uh, sustainable conservation uh, in helping to move these things that, you know, they're, they're kind of doable. They're almost there. They're not pie in the sky, you know, dreaming. This is something that's never going to happen. It's something that, you know, this really could happen if somebody put a little bit of money and a lot of time uh, behind it and really push these things forward. And that's what sustainable conservation has done with this project. Uh, a lot of man hours have gone into this, um, kind of babysitting these projects, learning from them, moving them forward. And I'm really happy to be a partner uh, in this project and a partner with sustainable conservation. So uh, I was going to move on to, uh, you know, how did this project get started and why? I talked about our meeting. Uh, it's been a few years ago at your office now where I uh, remember you guys were asking me, you know, what are the challenges that the dairy industry is facing? Um, but maybe you can go from there on, um, you know, so you heard from me on what I thought the challenges were the California dairy industry was facing. And then, um, you know, you sustainable conservation took that back. And you guys thought it over and uh, came up with this project. So how did that happen? If you can kind of tell us how um, that went from, you know, hearing ideas from the dairy industry to picking this specific project. Yeah, no, I appreciate you <clears throat> saying everything about sustainable conservation, what we do and how we work. And I, yeah, I think it is important to kind of know that we do, you know, when we do before jumping into something um, like one of these projects, we do go talk to industry. We go talk to, to farmers and dairy producers and other people involved really in the arena to really figure out, Hey, what's really needed here and what's really going to solve an issue and, and how can we make it work economically? So um, I did also want to mention in terms kind of our, you know, uh, our directors, our board of directors and our advisory committee, that is important to know. There's a lot of people throughout the Valley that's involved with agriculture and farming that help really guide our work as well. Um, that really, Many people may not see, but um, they are there and we do meet with them and, and they do help with guidance on, on projects and everything we're doing. So, um, yeah, um, I wanted to talk about uh, how we got started. And in terms of where we started with this, I was working back in 2011 with, with a farm manager out of Chowchilla. Um, his name is Nate Ray, and he's a farm manager for Diego Farms. And we were working on another project at the time and been working with him since that time. And in 2014, we're in the really in the middle of a severe drought. We we're all going through in California. And you know, at the time, farmers throughout the valley, dairy producers, everyone was were getting their surface water allocations cut from their irrigation districts. Wells were going dry, really in a tough spot for a lot of people, um, really, especially for people in the southern part of the valley um, from Merced South. And so Nate really had the idea of saying, hey, can we, we make this work? Can we use drip irrigation and, you know, blend lagoon water and, and irrigate with it? So he pulled, he pulled us in, and then he also pulled in um, Netafim, and we really just got after it and started a pilot back in 2014. Uh, so it's been, it's almost six years now, where we installed our first system. And to really, let's just try this thing out to see if we can make it work. Um, and, and really it was two years from 2014, to 2016, where, um, we installed the initial system 
and we re-engineered it, re-engineered it. We were torching things off and, and welding things on and really trying to make it work. It looked like a really like a Frankenstein type of system. And there was one individual in particular I definitely got to give credit to. His name is Dennis Hannaford. And we call him like the godfather of the system because really during those two years, he was literally out there, uh, almost sleeping out there just because we had to have someone really babysitting it and really trying to figure this thing out. So I definitely want to give credit to him. And he, he was with Netafim at the time. Um, so we needed to figure out this system. To, it's going to help us save water, right? We're going to reduce our water allocations, um, our, water, our water use overall. We are going to um, more accurately apply our nutrients uh, to the root zone. Um, and so there's a lot of benefits to the system and why we jumped into it. Okay. Do you want to talk about the funding? Because, uh, you know, I would say that USDA NRCS has been um, a really important part of moving this forward. You guys have really, you know, put the manpower behind it, but um, the funding was very important uh, as part of that. And I know I've been you know, through the application process uh, with you guys and, you know, signed up as a partner. Uh, you want to touch a little bit on that? Yeah. So we saw some successes towards the you know, in 2016 with the system after the two years of the pilot, really trial and error. And we said, hey, let's let's scale this thing up. I think it's this thing is definitely, you know, it could work. So we brought out a lot of people to check out the system that we had at the time. There was a lot of interest um, and some confidence building in what we were doing. So we were able to apply for a, um, uh, a innovation grant from the United States Department of Agriculture and Natural Resource Conservation Service at the national level. Uh, to really demonstrate that this system does work. And what we did was we said, hey, we're going to try this out, and we're going to show that it does work on three different dairies, different soil types, different herd sizes, management practices. And so we got it. And so we pulled in a lot of partners. So three additional dairies, um, one out of the Merced, out of Merced County, another one out of Madera County, another one out of Kern. And then we also pulled in uh, West United Dairies, uh, Paul Souza as an advisor on the project, University Cooperative Extension, uh, Dan Monk, and then also uh, some agronomists and some laboratory folks out of De Laval. So, um, and of course, Netafim as the, is the uh, equipment manufacturer in the irrigation side of things. So uh, from there, we got the research grant. We, we installed the systems in 2017 and last the last silage cordon season of 2019 was our last cropping season. So there's a lot of work in between there, between 2017 and 2019, to really install the systems, collect a lot of data, a lot of samples, do analysis, and really fine-tune the systems and figuring out where the challenges were and how to overcome them. And now we're to a point where we had a lot of success in the results. Um, to, to the point where the NRCS said, hey, there's the, we, we see a confidence, we have a lot of confidence in this system and we want to provide cost share funding. And then this is gonna be a certified practice um, within the NRCS offices where any dairy producer um, can go in and apply for funding. So um, that's what happened. And we actually uh, got cost share funding at $2,871 per acre for the system. Uh, which really equals out to about 80% of the whole, the whole cost, which is great. So really appealing um, and attractive financially to, for a dairy producer to go in, especially with the results that we had. Okay. 
So how long is that level of funding going to be available, the 80% or the, the dollar per acre number? Is that, you know, for 10 years or can dairy producers kind of wait on it or should they, uh, is that going to be something that gets lowered and that they should, if they're interested um, at the 80% level, that they should jump on it? Yeah, so definitely would need to jump on it. This year it'll be, it'll be definitely here for the remainder of this year, potentially next year, but then there's going to be a really value, a reevaluation of everything in terms of the level of the, the cost share, it'll definitely be at a 50%, I would say, moving forward. But that 80% level uh, will at some point go away. So I would definitely recommend um, okay. going in sooner than later if someone's interested. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think that's an important piece here that uh, folks should remember. Um, you've kind of talked a little bit about the results, but you haven't gone into detail. I don't know if you have those available on the top of, you he of your head. We've had some meetings, and you and I have talked about this. So... Uh, you kind of mentioned it. So, you know, water use, um, what's changed in water use, yields, um, uh, some of the specifics for the farms, uh, you know, dairymen are listening to this podcast. They're wondering, uh, you know, okay, so I hear the cost. I hear what this thing does. What does it do for water use? What does it do for yields? Do yields go up or down? Um, if you could kind of elaborate on that. Yeah. So we, we saw positive results across the board. So we were tracking what we call five key performance indicators. So, Yield in terms of tons of yield per acre overall between the three sites. So we had our manure subsurface drip irrigation field, and we compared that to an adjacent control flood field, right? So our yield went up 2.5% on average over the course of the years between all three sites. Our water use efficiency, so basically crop per drop, uh, increased uh, 38%. Our total water applied uh, re was reduced by 36%. Well, wow, that's impressive numbers. And, you know, given uh, Sigma and where we are with water, um, I could see dairy producers really being interested in that. And then in addition to, you know, the water savings, you're also applying uh, the nutrients, you know, right to the root zone, right where the uh, crop needs it. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, on um, the nutrient part of, you know, uh, spoon feeding the crops exactly what they need when they need it uh, and what that meant for the crop and potentially for yields? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So instead of, you know, traditionally applying your, your irrigation through a, a blend of lagoon water and fresh water through uh, irrigation valve where you're flood irrigating, we're applying it right to the root zone. So our tape is buried at 12 inches deep. We're at 40 inch spacing. Um, we have producers who are planting, uh, twin row planting for silage corn or single row. And we're able, because we're able to apply right to the root zone, we're, we're, we're more efficiently utilizing our nutrients or nitrogen um, from our lagoon water. So overall we're actually applying or we're, we're being more efficient with our nitrogen at 47%. Okay. And improve uh, improvement of 47% uh, efficiency of nitrogen utilization. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Okay. Uh, what has been the feedback from the partnering dairies? Um, you know, one, like I have thoughts of if they were going to be doing this today for other fields, are they interested? Um, obviously, you know, they had a little bit more of a learning curve with your project. Um, kind of what are their thoughts, both, you know, kind of going back to um, it's probably been a little bit of challenging, you know, trying to figure this out. And then also going forward from today, now that they've been through this, um, you know, do they think about doing other fields? They, like we got this figured out, we can do this. Um, what are the uh, dairy partners uh, thinking about this? 
Yeah, so all three of our dairy partners are currently um, in the process of installing additional acres. Um, one of them is even in the hundreds of acres more for the system. So it's it's been a really positive experience that we've seen from our dairy partner side that you know all three of them are, are moving forward with with installing more acres. Um, even one of our our partners saw you know a two to three hundred dollar per acre uh, basically increase in the bottom line after everything's said and done because you know they're saving money on water, we're reducing our commercial fertilizer use and increasing yields. So John, you kind of mentioned uh, the economics of one of the farms, and I was wondering if you can get a little bit more into that. Um, you know, regarding water savings, increased yields, the cost of the system, along with the funding. Uh, is there anything else you've got on the economics or are you still working out some of those details? Yeah. So right now we're in the end of the grant. We'll be completely finished by the end of June. And there's a lot of reporting, right? A lot of analysis that goes into this uh, research grant that we got from the NRCS. So we're still going through and finalizing the economic study. We'll have that full blown study at the end and I'll have some more detailed numbers at that point. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll watch for that. And that's always an important piece. Uh, I get a lot of people that contact me with solutions for dairy. You know, hey, I can fix your problems. What they don't understand is our economics. Uh, it needs to be able to work with ec dairy economics. And I know you guys understand that and have looked at that. So I'm looking forward to seeing those numbers. Um, last question I have uh, on this is, um, is this currently available through commercial channels? Can they get this off the shelf? Or, you know, is every dairy that wants to do this going to have to be piecing this thing together and figuring it out and, you know, getting parts from a Ford and putting them together with a Chevy and, <laughs> uh, you know, or, you know, can, can, is this, you know, off the shelf and, and readily available? Yeah, so we're, uh, it is readily available now as of the beginning of this year. It's, it's really not a super complicated system or really anything extravagant. It's, it's really a, a subsurface drip irrigation system that you would see in, really maybe uh, almonds or vineyards or tomatoes, right? We're using the same type of filtration, which is sand media filter tanks. The really where the magic happened is, is we have a EC or electroconductivity sensor, right? That measures the blend before it enters the filters. And we have a butterfly valve on the lagoon inlet side on the pipe. And that really, the, the meter tells it, or the sensor tells that butterfly valve to open and shut to basically tell us what ratio we want going out into the field. So it, it is off the shelf technology. The only special thing is really the, the EC sensor and that butterfly valve that adjusts on the fly. So you can get more information about the system uh, through your local irrigation dealer or uh, engineering firm. You can also contact Netafim. Uh, information's on their website. Uh, or you can contact them directly. They have a large office and a um, manufacturing facility in Fresno. Um, and they have reps all up and down uh, the state as well. Okay, thank you. I, I really appreciate you joining us today, John. I appreciate uh, working with Sustainable Conservation and the, the things you guys do and moving forward solutions for the dairy industry. Um, I know you just mentioned uh, where people can get some additional information. Is there anywhere else? Um, you know, your reports uh, from sustainable conservation itself, you didn't mention sustainable conservation. If a dairy producer is interested in the details of this, um, you and I have talked about, you know, what type of lagoon water uh, is best for the system. Where can a dairy producer go to get more information about this um, and, to, you know, to sign up? Does he first go to NRCS or should he go somewhere first uh, and figure out if he 
uh, is a good candidate and then go down to the NRCS office to sign up for it. Yeah. So you can always even contact me if, if you just want to talk, talk to me uh, and not talk to someone from your dealer or from NetFM. I'm always available if, if, uh, if needed. I can talk through some of the details as well. Um, for In terms of the process of getting cost share funding from the NRCS, there's a couple different steps. And a lot of times your local irrigation dealer will do that, those steps for you and fill out the, the necessary paperwork to, to apply for the funding. Um, if that's not the case, really the process would be to go into your local NRC office, ensure that um, you qualify for their, their programs, for the funding first, and qualify your dairy in terms of, hey, what's needed on my dairy to make sure this thing works? And there's, there's some things in there, some details I could, I could talk with them with about or NetFM or really anyone. And then from there, your local irrigation dealer will you know, design a specific system for your facility and provide a quote. Once you have that information, you take that to NRCS and you apply. Okay. And once, once you get accepted into the program, and then you, you can uh, move forward with installation. Thank you, John. And I, you know, I really appreciate, um, you know, this is an industry with a lot of challenges, um, you know, especially right now in these times and what's happening. Um, you know, there's a lot of challenges in this industry, but there's also solutions. There are folks that are looking forward and how do we take on some of those challenges and solve those. And I think this is one of those things. Um, environmental, dealing with environmental issues on dairies uh, is a lot of bad news and a lot of challenges, but there's also these good opportunities, good partnerships that I really enjoy working on uh, as part of my job. And I really appreciate John and Sustainable Conservation uh, joining us today. And uh, maybe we can have you back on a, a future podcast. That'd be great. No, I appreciate working with West United Dairies and, and Paul Souza and uh, everyone else really on their team. They've been great partners and really helping us, really guide us too, uh, moving forward and what we work on and, and what things that we should be focusing on in the dairy industry. And I would love to be back. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, John. And until next time, this is Paul Souza. Well, we want to give a huge shout out and thanks to all of the guests that joined us today. Dave Kohlhaas, uh, thank you for always bringing a little lightheartedness to our podcast. Rochelle with a great update from Luceros Unidos and some folks that are out looking for jobs on dairies right now. And of course, Paul Souza and John Cardoza for the great information about what's partnership with sustainable conservation and dairy families to work on improving the environment out there. And of course, we can't forget a huge thank you to you, Annie, for joining us. Um, I know you're just so busy right now with working full time and homeschooling those cute kids. I'm glad they gave you a little recess to join us today. Oh, yeah, I think they, they did appreciate the recess themselves. You know, a little break from all the chart making I've been having them do it. I think was it was a bit overdue. So it's all good. I'm glad to be here. A lot of good information today. Great. Well, we'll uh, we'll get you back to those little economists in the making here real quick. But before we go, just a quick reminder to our listeners, um, send any comments, questions or content requests to wud.pod at gmail.com. That's w-u-d.pod at gmail.com. Also, make sure um, to check us out on our many platforms. We're really excited to finally be on Apple. Annie, um, 
can you tell listeners how they can check us out that way? Yes, actually on Apple is very convenient. If you have a smartphone, the app should already be there. If not, we're on eight other platforms, like Melissa said. And if you don't have a smartphone or you just like to listen on your computer, you can go to uh, wdaries.com and there's a link there that you can listen to all the podcasts for free. So um, you can do that if you don't have a smartphone. And if you do and you have an app, feel free to subscribe because then the episodes will just you know appear automatically when we release them. And then also feel free to rate and review us because we'd like to hear your feedback. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Annie. We hope you'll join us again soon with both Darby and I. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye, guys. Special thanks to Western United Dairy's 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, FNR Ag Services, Farm Credit Alliance, Moss Energy Works, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information about how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at woodairies.com. That's I-N-F-O at W-U-D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com. Thank you.